What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. So I've gotten a couple days ahead of the curve here, get, actually getting stories out more than just you know a couple hours before they need to be released. <laughs> and uh, it gives me a little breathing room, time to actually read through your comments a little more in depth. And uh, I posed a question the other day of, you know, did you want me to add some other oddball things to this channel, the tech support channel, when the times are lean, you know, things like that. Now, there's a couple of things that could help cure this. One, people write more on the subreddit. Maybe some days are busier than others. Uh, winter's a really good time of year to get that stuff. I can go scrolling back and find some older stories that I haven't read before. Um, and I have done that on occasion. Uh, people can also tell me their stories in the comments down below the video. You can also email them to me. I have an email address, who's your uncle LLC at gmail.com, and tell me your story there. Uh, tell me whether or not you want me to name you or some kind of nickname or something. Chew on all that for a while, and uh, if you've got anything to share, please do. All right, let's get on with the stories. No overtime, no exceptions. I work in IT and worked with one client for years and years looking after their various networks. Normally it's a 9 to 5 kind of job, but if something goes wrong after hours it can become a real emergency for them quickly. One day the manager came down to visit our small team at this client's office. We were told they renegotiated the contract and took a 5% cut on the job, so they asked if we would all take a 5% pay cut as well. <laughs> no. <laughs> no one accepted that and we were ready to walk if they tried to push it. The next week we were told there was to be zero overtime without prior authorization of the company president himself and there are no exceptions to this ironclad rule. They had us repeat the new policy back to them and emailed it to us. The only thing I said to them was, this is going to end poorly. Two days later, the core router that connects all the different parts of the big data center failed at 9pm. Our manager called my cell phone and said to jump in my car because the data center was down. I told him that I don't have authorization from the company president, who had apparently gone camping for the long weekend with his family and was out of contact. I told him, sorry, I can't do any work as it hasn't been authorized. He tried to say how he's authorizing it. I told him he specifically told us just earlier this week it has to be from the company president, and there are no exceptions. If he can get a hold of the president, then give me a call back. He was mad. The client was mad that they were told I refused to help. He left an angry voicemail for the president about me. They did get it fixed when the manager drove himself to the data center in the wee hours of the morning to pull the bad circuit board. The next business day, first thing in the morning, the manager, the client CIO, and our company president were waiting for me to come in and told me to come into the meeting room. It went as expected with raised voices, accusations, and many final warnings until I pulled out the email and gave it to the client CIO to read. It took him 10 seconds to read and then the CIO asked me to head back to my desk and carry on with my day. I never heard what was said in the room after I left. But there was a new directive that afternoon that overtime work no longer must have prior authorization. I worked another two years there before I left for a better job. But to this day, if there are rules with no exceptions, I relate this exact story and ask them to rethink what they're about to tell us. So I can understand wanting to control or mitigate, you know, unneeded overtime. There are some people who will ride out the clock just for the sake of getting the overtime pay and banking that, uh, and they're not really being productive. There are others who are only using overtime as a means to either meet deadlines or take care of emergencies and things like that. And it can be hard to weed out who's doing what. So I can understand having some rules in place, but if you got a guy you know is actually covering emergencies and things like that, urgent jobs, then you might want to think about leaving that guy alone. Just saying. Tales of the only techie guy on the team. 
not the company's actual tech support, but the only person on my team at work who uses a computer outside of work and doesn't think they work by some sort of voodoo magic. I had to fix all sorts of issues that I just refuse to believe regular offices deal with on a regular. I've spent 45 minutes waiting for IT to answer. Can you see if you can fix the process spreadsheet? It's broken and I can't use it. I go on expecting a corrupted Excel file or a massive data loss, at least a few broken formulas maybe, but everything's completely fine. She'd reached the end of the pre-formatted region I'd done when I set it up, around a thousand lines, so the borders and center alignment wasn't there anymore. 45 minutes of a busy day sat on hold waiting for IT to pick up rather than highlighting nine columns and clicking all borders and center. We use Office 365 and one woman thought she needed to clear up all her document history before she took her laptop into the office for an upgraded replacement. She went through and deleted everything on her list the evening before. The next day there's a mad panic when I log on as she'd actually deleted two years worth of the team's shared spreadsheets, trackers, and customer information. We don't have direct access to a recycle bin. It's a rather locked down system and I believe it's cleared every few days by IT. Luckily they managed to recover it all. Constantly being asked by both regular staff and even managers to put a spreadsheet together for this new thing we need doing, I don't mind if it requires formulas, etc., but 80% of the time it's literally just putting 5-10 to 10 column headers in row 1 and sending it back to them. Would have taken them less time to put it together themselves than it did to send me an email requesting I do it because you're the spreadsheet guru. I've got to run four one-hour training sessions in the upcoming weeks on how to set up some new small PCs people need to work from home in certain areas. You're supplied with the machine with everything fully installed, along with the power cable, display cable, mouse, and keyboard. I'm genuinely curious whether some of them will manage it within the hour. I can understand where the average Joe would be a little confused by, you know, Excel. It's one of those things, hell, not everybody knows how to format a paragraph, a sentence, or use punctuation, or even capital letters in the proper instances, so, it, you know, putting a spreadsheet in front of them can be rather confusing. But for the entire company to be this way, and oh, by the way, rather than have one spreadsheet guru, why wouldn't you have some trainings so that people can do their own jobs? There's a nickel back there. Nickelback. <laughs> No, I know. I know my password. I just got back to work after three days off due to the loss of a family member. And the first ticket to get back into the grind was just absolutely beautiful. We get a call from a woman who couldn't log into the HR app on her phone. Simple enough. I go to investigate. She's not getting a signal. You need to connect to Wi-Fi. Your phone isn't getting a signal. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Try opening the App Store. App Store won't load. Yeah, see, you need to get a signal to sign into the HR app or connect to Wi-Fi. The user goes into settings and disables cellular data. You don't need to do that, just connect to the Wi-Fi. She goes to Wi-Fi calling. Wi-Fi is the first settings option on the iPhone. She was looking right past it. Let me see your phone. I take her phone and connect it to the Wi-Fi. Then I open the HR app and it opens properly. There, see you just needed a signal. User is now at the login screen, tries logging in and gets incorrect username or password. Here we go. You need to enter the correct password. That is my password, I just had it changed. She tries again, incorrect username or password. Are you entering the correct username? I check and she is, incorrect username or password. If you don't remember your password, you need to call the help desk to reset it. I don't want my password reset. I know I'm entering the correct password. I said it myself. Okay. Well, if you want a password reset, just give us a call. Of course, the user who didn't know basic phone functions was convinced the problem was not herself, but rather everything else and everyone else. After all, she knew her password. Clearly, the app was wrong. 99.99999 whatever to infinity percent of the time, it's going to be the user. 
Although there are some occasions, I've only ever had it happen to me once, it happened to a friend of mine once, where I know I was entering the right password because I had it written down and stuck to my friggin' desk at home. But uh, something glitched in the system and somehow it reset all the passwords back to some sort of default, which we didn't know what the new defaults were. Um, but it was just that one time and it was just a company-wide glitch. So everybody had the issue. It wasn't just me. But for the most part, there are times when I think I know a password and it, I'm actually trying to enter the one from previous. Now, there are some programs that will tell you, hey, you got to use one. You got to use the new one or one that hasn't been created within the last 12 months or whatever. Usually when there's something, some kind of message like that that pops up, I know, oh, shoot, I did change that. But then there's a lot of other programs out there that won't give you any kind of hint like, you know, hey, dummy, you changed it recently? No. I guess if they did that too much, then I'd be complaining about Big Brother being in my business and all that stuff. So, nah, what are you going to do? The case of the perfectly working, broken webcam. People in this story for reference. Local user. User who works at the office I service. Has a very high opinion of herself and her importance. Local manager. One of the managers for the local office. Very friendly with the local user and not afraid to use their management powers if they ever have an issue. Remote user. User at a different office in another city, smarter than the average bear user. Remote tech. Tech who services the office of remote user. Recently, I've been doing some contract work one day a week for a large multinational company as an on-site level one tech support, primarily fixing up hot desk and when people knock cords out or restarting meeting rooms when they constantly break, and this was a bit of a doozy. I'd received several tickets from local user about the same meeting room, all with the same claimed issue, camera not working. And every time I went out to test the meeting room, I had absolutely no issues, both testing with my phone as a member of the meeting and calling remote tech over a thousand miles away. It was being reported so often that local manager was concerned that local user system was the issue, to the point that they replaced her laptop, phone, and tablet to ensure none of them could be causing any issues. This went on for nearly six weeks, with the ticket priority slowly creeping up. Initially, it was a level five with extra long response SLEs, generous time given to fix the issue, and absolutely no budget to fix anything. Then it was pushed to a level 4, at which point it was the first issue I had to check every week, and had the budget to replace local users' equipment. Eventually, the issue was marked as a level 3, which is relatively rare. I don't usually interact directly with users, as every desk is a hot desk. So when issues arise, users create a ticket, and then every Friday I come in and solve the tickets for the week, using my phone and a company-provided laptop to test the desk. But level 3 tickets were where the user is approached directly. Friday comes around and I approach local user about the issue. She instantly starts to tirade on why the IT staff are useless and we can't do anything right. But I eventually am able to calm her down a little and she explains that every Wednesday she has a meeting with remote user who is essentially her counterpart in the same city as remote tech. This is the company's headquarters. And when she connects her laptop to the meeting room to show some spreadsheets, the camera disappears. But remote user is able to have their spreadsheets open on the call while still having a video feed of themselves visible. Now the meeting rooms aren't designed to show both the feed from the laptop and the conference camera at the same time. So whatever remote user is doing is not an intended situation. I suggest that the next Monday I'll make an extra visit and she can schedule a mock meeting. I can't attend an actual meeting due to security concerns. And we can have a look at what's happening. This pacified her and she agrees to a 1pm meeting the next Monday. Monday comes around and at 9am I get a rude phone call awakening. Local manager has set the ticket priority to level 2 which means I need to drop everything and be in the office ASAP. I head in and both local user and local manager already sat waiting in the meeting room. I head over and sit in the reaming spare chair. Local user immediately starts complaining that the 1pm agreed time was too late in the afternoon and it should have been fixed weeks ago. 
Remote Tech joins the call seconds later, seemingly also pulled in by the Level 2 priority ticket change. Remote User walks into the same meeting room as Remote Tech a minute or so later. Remote User plugs their laptop to their meeting and brings up a clearly dummy Excel spreadsheet. And then a moment later, a third participant joins the meeting, shows a fairly low quality and pixelated feed of Remote User with Remote Tech in the background. The name of the new video participant? Remote User's iPhone. Local user immediately points out how remote user is able to have both the Excel and live camera feed, while remote tech and myself are both trying our best not to facepalm. I asked local user if she's ever asked remote user how she was able to have both videos at once, and she shrugged, saying that she'd hadn't, but it shouldn't be hard. I pulled out my phone, put it on the desk next to the laptop, and connected to the meeting. It took a solid three seconds for it to dawn on local user what was happening, at which point she let out a very disappointed, oh. The meeting was shortly adjourned. The ticket was closed and local manager was unofficially told off for upgrading the ticket to level 2 without good reason. A short add-on. That Friday I got an unrelated ticket to that meeting room claiming power issue. I went out to check and someone had disconnected the soft wiring. Turns out an employee had been desperate to avoid a meeting and had disconnected it. Then claimed the meeting room wasn't working and due to the secure nature they wouldn't be able to attend. As far as I'm aware that employee no longer works for the company. It's amazing to me. How many times in life... And work, in family, it doesn't matter. A simple question. Two seconds to ponder something. And if you don't come up with the answer on your own by looking at the screen and things like that, a simple question to somebody else who's doing things well or the way you think things should be done, um, ask them how they did it. Maybe it's just something you don't know yet. Now, this isn't tech support, but when I used to run construction sites, when we would make a notch in a board for some reason or other, we didn't have fancy, you know, jigsaws and all that. I mean, we were framing. We had very basic, you know, circular saw, sawzall. That's what we had on the site. Maybe a drill if we were lucky back in the day. But if I wanted to make a square notch in a board, um, basically, you figure out the depth. You set your saw blade to that depth. You mark your two outer lines. You cut your two outer lines. And then you cut everything in between over and over and over again until you get everything pretty much knocked out of there. And then you run your saw blade back and forth in the cut to smooth it out. Uh, we didn't really carry many chisels back then either. So, you know, that's the way we made a notch. But this one guy just couldn't get it through its head. You know, he didn't have chisels. He didn't have this. He, can't, he spent so much time telling me what he didn't have to do a simple notch in a board, like a 4x4 four four for a deck, you know, deck post where it holds up the, the band board, your 2x12 framing for the floor of the deck. And uh, I'm thinking, dude, you could have been done 20 of these notches in the time you took wasting looking in the tools trailer for other tools. Didn't you ask anybody? Did you watch anybody else do a notch? Nope. He just thought he had to have the Norm Abrams assortment of tools out in the field. Uh, yeah, just amazing. If I didn't care, would I not have used double-sided tape? I get invited to a 30-minute meeting at a contract I'd been on for a month. Yippee! Are they finally fixing my admin privileges? Are they getting around to fixing my access to imaging software that mysteriously locks me out every other day? Maybe it's the meeting about the MSP that took five hours to respond to a mass spam attack that coincidentally happened when the CEO was gone for the week? No, instead it's one of the IT leads who proceeds to tell me for 15 minutes straight that I must not care at all for working for the glory of tech company because, well, because... I used one of those bizarrely thick double-sided clear tapes for the login FAQ sheets we put on each free-use desk. He never specified anything beyond making sure tape is on all four corners of the sheets. The call drags on between insults because he's also upset about one more thing. 
I ask if it was the fact people are asking me to scrape data for a worker who died last night, which I can't do because I had no effing access to the cloud software they were using. And yes, I've had a week-long ticket for it. Nah, it's my damn Zoomer phone that magically influenced me into hiding some equipment for a joint project with facilities, and that I wasn't listening to him because of my phone. That's cool and all, save the fact my phone was dead, as I told him earlier that morning, though given he was upset about me receiving, not answering, receiving a call from my insurance last week, I can't say I'm surprised, and that he moved the equipment to a completely different area and forgot about it until I told him. Throughout the rest of the day, I get some nasty messages questioning my dwindling loyalty to tech company, along with some exposition. One of the overseas VPs who occasionally visits is apparently a stickler for aesthetic, which apparently means hissy fits over double-sided fat sticky tape, and thus day-long wine fests from him. I ask my team in one of the facilities leads if he's like this all the time. The answer? Yup. On the bright side, I did care about this contract that another VP said will be up in August, up until the lead told me to my virtual face that I know you don't care, so now I know where to really put my care. Sending the lovely text chats we had over his anger about sticky tape to HR. I worked in a few offices where they cared about aesthetics, and I, I get it. You know, you want a certain vibe going on and things like that, but tape? Really? We had one building that we leased for the one office that I helped run, and the landlord was adamant that nothing be taped to the walls. So we said, okay, that's fine. Uh, you know, our company used motivational posters and different lists and things like that, and I said, well, we've got several... 8, 10, and 12 foot bulletin boards. Some are whiteboard bulletin board combos, yada yada. What if we mount those to the wall? Because we're going to need some in the conference room anyway and a few other things. Then he started with the, no, absolutely can't screw anything to the wall. Well, okay, you're kind of hamstringing me here. So I came up with a plan. It was all drop ceiling. I came up with a plan. I bought some little clamps that clamp to the, the edge band of the, the drop ceiling and then used those clamps with some chain to hang the whiteboards. Okay, so that solved that issue. But then there were other oddball things like the posters that I mentioned. And he never said anything about staples. So, yeah, when it came time to hanging up posters, I would go out with my trusty stapler. And I didn't just use an office stapler. I could have. But I went out with my big industrial squeeze stapler. And uh, I used half-inch long staples and stapled every one of them buggers to the wall. And I usually used a few extras just to make sure it wouldn't blow off in a stiff breeze when somebody opened the hallway door. Mm -hmm. Alright guys, thanks for sharing a little bit of your day with me today. If you enjoyed the stories, you know what to do. Alright, till the next one, we'll see you.